Welcome to another episode in Season 2 of Two for Podcasting, your hard-hitting hockey show dealing with everything from the NHL to all things college hockey and back around the world juniors. I'm your host, Bobby, and along with my co-host, Jack, we're here to bring you the important news and keep you up to date on all things happening in the hockey world. So sit back and enjoy this next episode of Season 2 of Two for Podcasting. That uh, extra butter popcorn, or is it just normal popcorn? Normal is a pregame meal. I didn't know you have popcorn pregame. Usually, yeah. I used to do it a lot in college. Really, I never knew that. Yeah, I don't know why. I was, a, but I did. I was always a pasta guy. A couple hours before in. I can never do that. It sits in my stomach like a fucking rock. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have a whole lot. I was. It would be more like. If I could, I would have like a huge pasta dinner the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that, uh, like whole grain penne that uh, Lowry had, I would, I would, I would like for if we had like a road trip game, we play at like nine thirty somewhere. I would eat that at like five. Ugh. She can't do it. Mm-mm. Nope, won't do it either. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the first episode of season two of Two for Podcasting. It's been a full year. I'm your host, Bobby, here along with co-host Jack. This uh, pre-NHL Awards episode was our first episode uh, that we ever recorded, I'm pretty sure, last year. Slash the pre mm-hmm. draft episode. Uh, what do you want to start with? There's been a ton of activity in terms of signings and trades, which I know a lot of hockey media has criticized as being a boring start to uh, the NHL offseason. I still think it's interesting. Um... Yeah, I mean, the Rangers obviously pulled one over on the Winnipeg Jets, um, basically trading a first-rounder. Which was Winnipeg's first-rounder, first round. right? Yeah, Winnipeg's first-rounder back to them, along with an AHL-caliber defenseman in Neil Pionk for uh, Jacob Truba in his fucking prime. Um, so Jeff Gordon just fucking fleecing the Chevy over there in Winnipeg. Kevin Hayes surprisingly signing in Philadelphia last night, I think for it was. A surprising for surprising amount of money. Seven, a stupid amount of money. He's um, only had one 20 goal season. He's only had like one yeah, 50 and, point season. He's signing for seven. So I think a lot of people are surprised, A, by the number. I'm very surprised that he signed in Philadelphia because of who the coach is. Him and AV, it's a well known fact in New York, did not get along very well. Um, his usage was horrible under AV. Uh, so unless, you know, AV has some plan where he's now going to use Kevin Hayes normally or how Kevin Hayes should be used, kind of the way that we saw him being used under David Quinn here in New York, then it's a different discussion. I still don't think he's worth seven, but it's a different discussion. How much do you think he's worth? He's, he's probably what, a set pair defenseman or third, third, third line center? No, he can, be, he's, he can play top six. He's probably five to four point five to six. I, I, I put him at more four point five to five point five personally. Maybe I undervalue. Obviously, you've seen him play a lot more than I have. Um, yeah, he's four four five to six. I would say. I mean, who knows? Maybe like he and his agent are sitting there, like, "Fuck, maybe you don't like this guy, but um, he's offering you a deal that is probably yeah." And he's me. got and he's got a no move. He's got a no full no move for the first three years, and then a limited no move after that. 
Um, right. So we'll see. But I was just again, I was very surprised by it. Um, I, I think there's a I, I feel like there's a trend with some of the moves this offseason because there have been other surprising things, too, like Jeff Skinner getting paid an astronomical amount of money for one good season. No, Jeff Skinner's had multiple good seasons. What are you talking about? Great season. Sorry. One great season. This is like okay. Consider what consider what he had in Carolina. Yeah, he had good seasons in Carolina. And he still put up thirty goal, multiple thirty goal seasons there. But he's never had like Jeff a season Skinner, like the season just had. Jeff Skinner. Yeah, but Jeff Skinner is an elite goal scorer. He's a, and those are very difficult to find, right? I I think he earned all that. I mean, for forty hot games this season, man, you like the guy's not getting any younger, right? But the, yeah, but you're looking at it. You're looking at it from a one season perspective here. Yeah, which I which I think is fair. Like, I mean, okay, let's add it to a multiple season perspective. Um, looking forward, right? You have his contract. You've got the Eichel contract. Um, and in three years, you're gonna have to be trying to pay guys like Rasmus Dahlin. And before they know it, the Buffalo Sabres are gonna be in a Toronto Maple Leafs kind of like situation. Yeah, so they're mortgaging the house to try and get there now. Right, I, I, I think I think they want to build around Skinner. I think that's the, if if that's what they're trying to do. I think that's the wrong move. I think they need to be trying to build around Darlene and around guys like you know Eichel and Middlestadt. Like they've got all these young guys. Like why are you forking out this much money for an old guy like this? I feel oh. like they're kind of. I feel like they're trying to accelerate a rebuild that they and I think it's going to bite them. In, in the butt long term when you, they've got to start giving, you know, Middlestadt and Darlene contracts. I, I think that's really going to... Okay, Casey Middlestadt is not is not going to get paid over $4 million. If Casey Middlestadt gets a multi-year over four, that's a goddamn crime because that kid has been such a disappointment. He's still, he's still so young, though. I mean, there's still time for him to grow. I mean, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, there's still so much time for him to grow, right? Like, come on, they're, they're, they're late bloomers yeah. every draft. But that, that's not my point, though. My point is, like, yes, there's time room for him to grow, but if we're using the argument that Skinner had only a few good seasons, has Casey Middlestad had any good seasons? I mean, he hasn't, but he's also how much younger than him? I don't know that off the top of my head, but I think that you need to have guys like Skinner if you're going to make a run, right? And to lock him up long-term, I think, is a pretty smart move. I mean, he's an elite goal scorer, those are becoming harder and harder to find in the NHL. This is the only time he's scored 40 goals in a season. But what about when he was in Carolina when he had multiple 20-plus seasons with literally no support? He had his rookie year, he had 31 goals. In 16-17, he had 37, which is a good season. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, and he had 33 and 13-14. I, I I just I feel like okay. come come on this guy is not he's 27 years old he's you know he's had injury issues that have nagged him not major ones but they've been nagging you know you hear about like kind of things here and there with him man I don't it's just a I I think it's a worrisome contract I but I think here's the thing with Jeff Skinner I think he walks into this room right to meet with Buffalo and I think this is also I I, I think kind of the theme I've seen so far with free agency and whatnot. Has been, there have been a, all the deals that have been made so far have been from positions of power. The, the the side with more power has gotten a deal done in a way that 
they want, right? Jeff Skinner, the Buffalo Sabres had a goal scoring issue last year, right? What Jeff Skinner walks in the room and he's not going to get exactly what he wants. Yeah. Right? Exactly. That's why I'm saying Buffalo needs that. If you need that and he addresses that, you're going to want to pay for it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's definitely an overpayment, but I I think I I see I think Jeff Skinner is more worth like 7.5. Maybe. I will say that I think the Carlson thing is an overpayment by a fucking long shot. I'm not surprised by it, but I think with his um, issues injury-wise, that's a lot of money. Yeah, we'll, we'll 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 get to Carlson for sure. But like, also like, so let's let's look at this uh, right this Jets deal with Truba. Right, Truba's wanted out for a long time. The Jets, as we've talked about, had this huge RFA UFA issue this summer. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think I tweeted out um, after the deal. Um, you know, obviously, you could say that the Jets got fleeced, and they definitely did. I, I don't think there's. Uh, I, I think when you look at it, like the, the New York Rangers clearly got the better end of the deal. Um, but the, the Jets are going to be bleeding this summer, and this isn't the end of it, right? With all their UFAs and RFAs, and especially with uh, the talk the last couple of days of the cap potentially only going up two million, when I think GMs and managers. Was it two point three? I forget. Um, yeah, but I, I, GMs have been th- are really worried reportedly because they thought it was going to go up by a lot more. But players want to keep the escrow down, probably in advance mm-hmm. of you know labor negotiations next season, um, so that they get paid their uh, paid more their real salary. And then, I know Jonathan Taves came out rec- uh, this last week and also said like, yeah, for us like in this upcoming. Uh, these upcoming labor negotiations, escrow's like the number one thing on our list because we want our contracts to be what they're actually worth. Like we want the numbers. To... Yeah, and he's like the president now, right, of the NHLPA, or he's one of the head guys. Is it him or Crosby? I, I think it one of them. Yeah. Um, I, I, he's definitely the rep for the Chicago uh, Blackhawks for sure. Um, mm. but I think uh, so I I think the Jets are going to have a lot of a lot more issues this summer. I think they're going to lose some people in unrestricted free agency for free. And I think the fact they got rid of, obviously they've got a lot of problems with contracts, but they're at least able to get rid of one problem. And they at least got something back for that problem. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's a bad trade for them, but I think it's one where like, you know, they're in terms of positions of power, uh, they don't have any. Right. And they, uh, they had to make the steal. Now, what Philadelphia has done to ruin their franchise this offseason, I'm still confused by. How they think that Niskanen, an aging Niskanen, is better than a, a good defenseman in Gudas, I, I don't understand. Did you? What did you make of that trade? Because I, I, that, that's the one I don't even want to. That was such a stupid trade. I don't even want to waste my time with it. It was so dumb. I don't even understand it. That's all I'm going to say about it is it's stupid. Both those organizations are on a slide. And that's it. That's all I have to say about that. that. Was just fucking stupid. I mean, it basically was like, "Hey, you have a piece of shit. We have a piece of shit." It's it's. I forget who it was. It was like the Carl Hagelin trade last year. It's a change of scenery. Maybe they perform. They probably won't. That's all I'm gonna say on that. I don't know. I I feel like Niskanen's more of a plug than Gudis. I think Gudis can at least move the puck. Okay, but yeah, but then you have to remember that he's gonna get suspended at least once a year. That's fair. All right. That's a, it's like, yeah, he can move the puck, but who's he going to fucking tomahawk and get a 12-game suspension? Hey, man, he managed to play 77 games this year. It's not, it's, it's, but, yeah, I agree. I agree. 
Um, what's hilarious? Um, actually, no, that's right. That's right. Um, so when looking at the Eric Carlson deal, right? Where do you think Eric Carlson ranks in terms of NHL defensemen? When he's healthy, which he never in, is. Overall, overall. I mean, he's a top five. Top five defenseman in the National Hockey League. When he's healthy. But the thing is, the dude is never fucking healthy. I'm talking about overall. Including his health. Yeah, including his still. health. Including his health. Is he... Oh, then he's only top 20, I'd say. Really? You wouldn't put him top 15? I mean, even, even still? Top, I'd put him at like 8. 8 to 12. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, But I mean, I think, I think he saw Dowdy's contract from what? Last season, two years ago, yep. and he was like, "Yeah, that's right." Because Dowdy's what, like eleven point two eight years, something like that. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Yeah, fuck you, pay me." Like that's the market value. Because I would say Dowdy's definitely a top five defenseman. Uh, I think I think Dowdy's lost a step. As has pretty much okay, everyone at the in time, LA. At the time, at the time he signed that yeah, contract, yeah, yeah, yeah. though. At the time he right? signed that contract, sure. Right. So it's kind of one of those like, yeah. Here's my thing. I feel like a lot of defensemen have injury issues, though. I feel like that's just a trend um, we see among defensemen. You can make that argument now, yeah, that the game's faster, harder hitting. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, Subban has his injury issues. Victor Hedman has injury issues. Yes, I mean, Shattenkirk, Victor Hedman. Shattenkirk. Uh, even Burns has, you know, has had injury issues, you know? Yeah. Um, McDonough had a few. Um... So how do you so, – so I feel like it's almost like a, a catch-20. Like how do you – if everyone has injury issues, do we just in general not pay defensemen as much? Because they're still going to get paid one way or another if they want to, right? I think it's more of a good faith, faith thing. All right, because when he puts it all together, when he stays healthy, he's going to be worth that money. That's right. Right? Yeah. Um, I will say that I think uh, – uh, yeah, I mean – Or is this just like the new era of just like – Defenseman, like, like if you like if you're just kind of the new market, like if all if you've got all these injury prone defensemen, but you still want to get the best, you're still gonna have to pay this kind of money. Exactly, and I, I think the issue with the Carlson contract for me is more term than money. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, well, I think wherever he went, he wanted term, right? Yeah, for exactly. him and his That's family, the, the stability. Um, it was eight years, eleven million, or was it eleven and a half? Eleven two. Eleven two. Eleven two or eleven three. Um, I mean, I I I, I understand his desire for the stability. I think it's that with the no movement. Like the, for me, the kicker's the no movement clause. That's where I'm like, ooh, yeah. He gets uh, that's that's the thing with injury prone players, right? They're gonna really want to get that no movement clause in there. Because the last thing they want is to, you know, get injured and then you're, oh, you're damaged goods and you're just going to throw you somewhere else. Which is fine. Yeah. But then I feel like there should have been, which I think the, the, either had the contract as is with a no, without, 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 without a no movement clause, I think that's fine. I think the contract with a no movement clause would make more sense if it was like a million dollars less. Okay. I get that. That's kind of where I'm at with that. It's the no movement clause that like kind of sets my concern about that contract off. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. I can definitely see that. So, um, what other moves have been made? The Ducks have bought out Corey Perry today. 
one of my yeah a original drafted duck from 2003 a duck his entire career Corey Perry bought out kicked to the curb by general manager Bob Murray good riddance goodbye I have to find I will find out what team he moves to and I will learn to hate them yeah, I mean, I'm sure someone will pick him up for a veteran presence in the locker room. I don't really think he contributes that much to the team, but um, he had what ten? Po- he had ten points in 31 games last year because of all of his injuries. Yeah, and they're paying him. They were paying him what eight eight million a year, I think. Uh, yes, no, more. It was like no, yeah, eight, eight, eight two, eight, I two think, or something, yeah. So yeah, I mean the eight point six two five. Um, so it uh, you know it makes a lot of sense. I think it makes sense uh, that they did that. I uh, I'm curious to see where. So, so what what has been a story? What are you looking to now with unrestricted free agency? Right, biggest fish Eric Carlson off the board. What are you looking at as? A trend or something that you might see with free agency coming up? Overpayments? I don't know. <laughs> Same thing as always. Like, people just complaining about it. Fair. Like, you know. But, um... I'm intrigued to see what happens... Yeah, I can't think of anything else, really. I'm intrigued to see what happens with goalies. I mean, obviously, Bobrovsky on the market. Um, but also, you got to remember, Varlamov is on the market, too. Mike Smith is on the market. Um... Those are three pretty uh, prominent names and goalies. Obviously, Mike Smith is much more hot and cold than the other two. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I feel like if there's a team that feels like they have a goalie issue, um, it would be great to pick one of those three guys up. Obviously, I could see the Blue Jackets. They're not going to sign Bobrovsky, but maybe they try and throw their hat at Varlamov or Mike Smith. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, obviously, the Metro is something i've been watching because i mean with obviously the rangers loading up a little bit getting truba kevin hayes oh we're gonna be fucking good next year i you know i i i i'd like to see more you guys boost your defense a little bit more trust me we're 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 gonna be good we're gonna be good we'll see we'll see um i know there has been talk about patrick marlowe being potentially bought out up in uh, Toronto. Yeah, I mean, but he only has one or two years left. He has, let me pull this up on Cap Friendly. Season, 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 salary progression. Come on, where is this nonsense? Um, yeah, it's only through this year, his current contract. It's still 6.25 that they're paying him. Yeah. Now, obviously, Toronto is still going to be interesting to watch because of uh, the whole Mitch Marner situation. I think that makes sense, honestly. You buy out Marlowe so that you can afford to keep Marner. I feel like that's a no-brainer. You have to do that. Yeah, um, I can see that. I know also with Toronto that uh, – gosh, I always forget his name. The defenseman that always gets suspended. I don't know. Zaitsev. Mm. Uh, he has requested a trade out of Toronto. All right, well – I don't know where he would end up, but that's money off the books as well. It's money off the books as well, but uh, they're losing what Jake Gardner already, so they have. I think so, yeah. So their defenseman, they've got Riley, 
Jake Muzzin, and then their next best defenseman is Ron Hainsey, and then they've got three question marks. Although the Marlies, the Toronto Marlies have been good, so maybe they have plans to bring someone up from that organization that's a lesser of a cap hit. I mean, you'd have to think that's what they got to be doing, right? Otherwise, that's what they're doing anyway. It's going to be what they're going to do anyways, and it's maybe not going to work out so hot for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. You uh, want to move on to uh, NHL awards, or do you want to do a quick recap of the finals, Game 7? Well, all I have to say is that I, I have to leave at 7.30 to get to my game. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, whatever you think is best. Okay. Uh, Stanley Cup Finals, any, any final thoughts on the playoffs? Obviously, Blues win in seven. Uh, we all get to be happy uh, that Boston loses. Uh, it's denied a championship for the racist fans. Any uh, any, any thoughts, any closing thoughts? Uh, what do you think of O'Reilly being uh, getting the Conn Smythe? I, thought, I mean, I thought he deserved it. You know, I thought um, a lot of people said it should have gone to Bennington. Eh... Mm. Uh, after game seven, I can see why people would think that, but at the same time, he gave up. He had two games in that series that were five goals or more. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, obviously, game six, it was a, the fifth was an empty netter. Mm. But still, I think if game seven wasn't such a blowout, Rask would have won it, even if they lost. That's yeah, like if you know, if it was like a excuse me, one goal game or something like yeah, that, one zero or two one. I, I feel like Rask would have still won. Yeah. No, I agree with that one. Um, but I feel like in a, after after you give up, you know, choke that hard in a game seven, where you in a game where you obviously playing goalies, a lot of goalies have talked about like, oh, you got to be seeing a lot of shots to be like hot and in the zone. And obviously, he did not see. Rass saw like very few shots for the majority of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you can't give up that many goals on that few shots in a Stanley Cup game seven. And yeah, even even that, I don't even think like. I don't even think the Bruins choked. I mean, Bennington just stole the fucking game. Oh, yeah, he was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, that save he had on, um, oh, it's a Scandinavian name. Crazy? Well, that's Chad. No, but... something Vist, um, where it was one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, that they scored that. Who knows what happens? Right. Right? But, I mean, yeah, I, can't take – can't – everybody – the Blues took advantage of their opportunities and Bennington allowed them to do that, mm-hmm. right? And I think that was the key to Game 7 is that the Bruins did not capitalize um, on power plays, on, uh, you know, just good scoring – great scoring opportunities, great scoring chances, where the Blues had maybe one or two each period mm-hmm. and got four of them. Or had to at least, you know, four scoring chances, two, three maybe each period, and capitalized. Yeah. I could not believe that. The, yeah. I couldn't believe the Bruins left the first period with no goals. They, they utterly and, destroyed you know, them in the first period. Yeah, and I think, I really think the dagger was the Petrangelo goal, yeah. right? Because you go into the second period, you're only down by one. I think every hockey player has been there. You're not demoralized. You're like, oh, I had one fucking goal. Yeah. Not a big deal. And to give it up the way they gave it up, right? Ten seconds, a shitty line change. Oh my god! You probably, Marchand Marchand you probably go into the locker room. You probably go into the locker room being like, "What the?" Especially after dominating, just being like, "How the fuck are we down to nothing right now? How?" Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, 
they, uh, the Blues have certainly been enjoying their cup ride um, with a lot of shenanigans from uh, the Stanley Cup parade, including... Uh, They're already out in Vegas. Yeah, they flew out four days early. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bad... Only bad things can come of that. I hope... They have been... I mean, Pat Maroon, I saw a video of Pat Maroon just black, what I can only imagine being blacked the fuck out. So, um... Yeah, I mean, and then there was a... It, I mean, there was... I thought overall... Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, I thought overall, great series for the fans, shitty series for the officials, um, and shitty series for the league office, but... For the league office? Yeah, I mean, I just felt like the way they handled the officiating situation was not great. Here's here's my thing with the officiating, and this is actually something I, I was really wanting to get to. This has been, the last couple of seasons have been some of the least penalized seasons in NHL history. Really? In NHL, low, fewer penalties than the dead puck era, fewer penalties than, that, than, than you know, 2000, 2005. Despite the the more stringent rules, and this is across the regular season too, despite mm-hmm. obviously the more stringent rules that have been starting to be enforced, um, enforced theoretically, um, it's like there are these rules being put into effect, and I think the quality of hockey has gotten a lot better. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it's hard. You can't. Really, I don't think you can debate that. I think it's a fact. You watch a game from 2009 and you watch a game from 2019, the hockey's just objectively better. But I think if you watch this series in 2009, you'd be like, oh, these are just good teams and there's nothing drastically different about them. Because I feel like both the Bruins and the Blues are teams that really toe the line with what's okay and what's not. Right there, both of these teams have had players get suspended these playoffs. Yeah, multiple players. Multiple players. These, these are teams that, like, you know, the Blues, let's be honest, they they they, mm-hmm. they do a little bit of cl- clutch and grab. Mm-hmm. The Bruins, they're punching people in the back of the head behind plays. I think this yeah. was a terrible Stanley Cup Finals for the sport of hockey, in terms of I think with the direction that people want hockey to go to like a skill game, to uh, talk like emphasizing speed, and you've got two teams who have mm-hmm. kind of as part of their core identity. Um, just try, just always finding out how much they can get away with, and I think, yeah, I think that's been. Lo- I mean, uh, what's his name even came out and said that about going into Game Seven. He's like, well, we can't get suspended anymore, so we're not really going to hold back. Yeah, the Blues head coach. Yeah, like what? Yeah. I mean, he's, he was right. That's a true statement. It, it is. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's very fair. But I mean, you can't. I I, I feel like some. I don't know. What the relationship is like between the NH, you know, the, the three-way relationship is between the NHL, uh, the Players Association, and uh, the officials' union. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there has to be a lot of dialogue this summer, right? Because with all of the things that happen yeah. in these playoffs, with the inconsistency and just, I think that that's why the fans are so ticked off too, right? In general, like every 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 round there was another thing and it was like five things yeah. every round um there is just... i mean the fact that you can't go back and review a fucking whether or not it was a hand pass on a scoring play yeah. is absurd yeah it's absurd i feel like there needs to be some harsh talk with officials or at least at least like say like look we've got these rules we want them mm-hmm. called mm-hmm 
just do it. And like, I understand in the playoffs, the rule book gets smaller and it gets smaller. And I can appreciate that, right? Because you don't, on one hand, you know, you, you want, you know, you don't, uh, you don't want to put an official in a situation where they feel like they have to make a borderline call. And it changes yeah. the outcome of the game, right? And, and that's why no, I'm not yeah. saying, like, you know, I still think rules need to be enforced. Like, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in general, like, for I think it's the more the borderline calls, right? The borderline calls, you know, you, you don't want to make referees be the ones that decide the games. You want players to be the ones that decide the games. Now you could say, well, players are yeah. deciding the game by choosing to take that borderline chance, and they should know what they're getting into. Um, but I, I think there's so much passion and heat of the moment. Um, you know, regardless, yeah. there have been a lot of things this postseason that have been towing the line or over the line or just flat out unacceptable, like the hand pass or mm-hmm. the five minute major. I was gonna say, in college, if there's a hit that's questionable to the head, yeah, the refs can go and review it mm-hmm. and determine whether or not it's a five, and then if it is. He's gone. The guy's gone. That was probably the most... I've seen it happen. Oh, yeah. I've seen it happen. You should be able to review or at least look at a five-minute major. If you're on the line, call the regular penalty and then review it and determine if it's a five-minute major. Yeah. I'm with you 100%. It's such a simple fucking system. It's so easy. I don't... Yeah. It it was funny because... um, (laughs) <laughs> you, you you mentioned that with college in the Bowling Green games that I had went to this year it felt like every period there was a review of it just because it's the WCHA and they just do that rough and tough hockey over there yeah um, yeah they have to get their act together officials anyways uh, 8 o'clock tonight uh, 8 o'clock eastern time I believe uh, it's the NHL awards mm-hmm. yeah so I will not be watching because I have a game but I will be taking a look uh, at the awards, let me pull up um, NHL award finalists. I just had this up here, and I already got rid of it. NHL, full list of finalists. Okay. So let's go through. Um, I want to hear your pick for each. We'll, we'll trade off in terms of our picks for each uh, trophy out of the finalists. And then if you want, you can say who you think should win if uh, they're not a finalist. Okay? Yeah, go. All right. Let's uh, let's start at the bottom with GM of the year. Our three finalists: we have Doug Armstrong, we have Don Sweeney, and we have Don Waddell. W a d d e l. Where is he at? Don Waddell is general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes. Him. I. Here's the thing. This guy traded away Jeff Skinner. When he had one of the greatest seasons in his career. Yeah, and he still his team still made the playoffs and made a push. He rebuilt even after that. I think, you know, out of these candidates, I don't feel like any of them are particularly strong. So I'll just agree with you. I mean, I could see Doug Armstrong. I could see Doug Armstrong because the Blues won the cup. But right, the the GM of these awards are for the regular season. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying is that he made and. I feel like he's just in that because of the turnaround the Blues had. I think an interesting argument you can make is GMs so rarely exercise patience and have things work out for them that almost you could say also, he's GM of the year by doing nothing. 
right? All he did was yeah. like, promote. It was, it was change a head coach. Anybody like with all the pressure on the world on him to make moves and to mm-hmm. sell everyone out. He was like, no, we've got it, and he was right. You know, that's actually. Mm, and I'm more impressed by Doug Armstrong's patience. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go Doug Armstrong for my GM of the year. Okay. Coach of the year. Do you think anyone outside of those top three should have won? No. I will agree with you on that. All right. Coach of the year. Coach of the year. Let's uh, – where do we have this? Jack Adams. We have Craig Bruby of St. Louis. We have – Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz. And we have John Cooper of the Tampa Bay Lightning. I feel like he's always in it. I mean, he's in it, but he never wins, right? Because he's because he's yeah. just like, oh, they should be good, and he makes them good, you know. Whereas, yeah, um, he's not the hot storyline. I think. Um, I'm gonna go as much as it pains me with Barry Trotz, just because no one thought the Islanders were gonna be good, and I think he did the best coaching job, right? So he didn't have the best talent, but he implemented his systems and they work i'm gonna agree with you i mean i think for you know the incredible turn on that craig ruby orchestrated everybody picked the blues to make the playoffs yeah so like although he was he did you know once he took over they were one of the best teams in the nhl during his tenure um i i think that the blues playing at that level is something that was foreseeable at the start of the season right and, I mean, all credit to John Cooper in the world. Obviously, um, Tampa Bay Lightning had a historic season. Um, but I'm more impressed by what Barry Trotz did with so little than what John Cooper did with so many riches. Uh, Masters in Trophy, mm-hmm. um, Nick Felino, Robin Lehner, and Joe Thornton. I feel like it has to go to Robin Lehner. Yep. Um, overcoming Next. depression alcoholism. Mark Messier Leadership Award. Mark Giordano. Wayne Simmons. Um... Uh, weird no. one. And Justin Williams. Uh, I would say Justin Williams. I'm going to go Justin Williams too because he led. So I, mean, I think the difference between Giordano and Williams is that the Hurricanes are just in general so, so young. Yeah, and exactly. I think uh, his leadership in terms of uh, managing that team, uh, I find more memorable. Uh, the, Kling, the King Clancy Memorial Trophy. I don't actually know what this one's for, so I'm just going to give it to Henrik. <laughs> just give it to Henrik. Uh, Kling, uh, the King Clancy is to the player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice and has made a noteworthy humanitarian oh. contribution to his community. Yeah, I mean, okay, I'm biased because, to be honest, I don't know what OEL and Zucker have done in their communities. I just know that Lundquist has done a lot in the New York community, probably because I'm here, so I see it, right? So I'm going to say Henrik Lundquist, basically out of regency bias, original bias. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like um, uh, uh, the reason why Eric uh, by Ekman Larson and Zucker are both nominated um, is because they're very big in hockey is for everyone ambassadors. Um, okay, fair, yeah. Which, which is obviously a phenomenal cause, um, and they have raised for various you know things throughout Arizona and Minnesota. Um, but I, I think the Henrik Lundqvist Foundation that he's established has done like a lot of really good work, and I think that should go to Henrik. Yep. Lady Bing Trophy. The most gentlemanly Brad player. Marchand. <laughs> I think that I think that would ex- the hockey world would just explode. Brad Marchand won it. Um, We've got Alexander Barkov, Sean Monahan, and Ryan O'Reilly. I gotta say Barkov. I'm leaning Barkov too. I, I, 
I never hear like I seen like O'Reilly take penalties and or like scrap it up. I feel like Barkov is just like quietly very very good at hockey. He he's a twenty three year old. He's twenty three years old. He had ninety six points this season. Yeah, like, I, like, I have Barkov's. Who 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 on earth like like in all respect to Barkov, I mean he's a phenomenal player. Like who would be like, oh yeah, who how many who had like was the leading goal scorer on or who leading point scorer for Florida? He'd be like, oh probably Barkov. How many points do you think he had? Oh, I don't know, like sixty nine or like seventy. I don't know. Yeah, six. What? What? Yeah. Um, he is. Uh, he's also been nominated three of the last four years. Yeah, Barkov. I think it's Barkov too. Now here is where we will it'll start getting interesting. Calder Trophy. Now this is where I think we're going to start getting into. You maybe have somebody who's not in the short list. We have Elias Peterson, Jordan Bennington, and Rasmus Dahlin. I gotta go Bennington. The numbers he was putting up in the regular season as a rookie are fu- were fucking absurd. I feel like the play of Carter Hart kind of negates a little bit of what Bennington did. Also, you could say the recent success of Matt Murray diminishes that a little bit, right? However, I- Sure, but I still think it's more... Imp- I don't think Darlene was that impressive. I think he's just on that list because they kind of had to put him on that list. You kidding me? Darlene? Had- um, I don't know who you would... Or- Darlene passed Bobby Orr for having the second most I- points by an NHL defenseman before his 19th birthday. I still... I don't know. He's a defenseman who beat I'm still, a Bobby I'm not Orr on the Darlene train yet. I'm not on the Darlene train yet. I go, I'm going Darlene for this award. Absolutely. I'm going Bennington. I was curious if you were going to pull up Brady Kachuk. No. I think... As a snub. I think he was good. I could see him on the list if, like, you know, if you wanted to make the argument that the NHL has, like, super goaltending bias, right? I could see him replacing Bennington. You know what I mean? Because that's what, like, goalies always say, right? That they're never, like, in the mix or whatever. I think uh, some other interesting snubs, because I, I, I think this is an award where this year there are a lot of uh, good candidates. How about Miro Heiskanen of the mm-hmm. Dallas Stars? How about Andrei Svechnikov yeah. of the Carolina Hurricanes? I Definitely. Oh, yeah. I think they're all – I think this is a very tight year for the Calder Trophy. I think there are a lot of players that you could go with. Uh Ted Lindsay Award, well, that's just like the best. It's just voted by the Players Association, so I don't feel like we need to do that because we'll eventually get to our thoughts on that from the heart. Yep. Uh, Selkie Trophy. We have Patrice Bergeron, Ryan O'Reilly, and Mark Stone. I mean, I, I almost just don't so want we're to just talking these are... like again because he's, <laughs> he's like, what? He's got it four times. He's a finalist for the eighth mm-hmm. consecutive season. And that's, that's no. I was going to say, but I mean, he's always been so good. Crease to crease. Right, Bergeron? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have an issue not giving it to him. Um, but I could also see it going to Ryan O'Reilly. I, I would kind of honestly like Mark Stone. I think I, – I don't know if I would give it to him. But I would like Mark Stone to win it because he's the first time mm-hmm. a winger has been top three in voting since 2006. Okay. Since New Jersey's Jay Pandolfo in 2006-2007. That guy also finished third. That is a name. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the first time in over 12 years we have a winger cracking the top three in voting. And I, I think, obviously, centers have a greater duty, especially when you look at their jobs in the defensive zone mm-hmm. um, than wingers do. They've got more responsibility. Um, 
But I, I feel like wingers in general I, I just aren't incentivized to necessarily play that complete two-way game, and they're not going to get they're not incentivized, but they they don't get rewarded for doing so. Yeah. And so I, I I'd like seeing a no, yeah, I know. kind of get the trophy. I think I would pick Bergeron, but I would like Stone to win it. Okay, fair enough. All right. Now let's get real spicy. Norris Trophy. We have Brent Burns. I don't like any of these candidates. <laughs> I, I, you know, out of these three, you know, I kind of, I, I, I think I, I would go with Giordano. Also because I picked him to win the Norris before yeah. the season started. So, like, I, I get to be proven right, which is always a great thing. Um, I've just never – here's the thing. I've always thought Burns is, like, a top 10 defenseman at best. I've never thought he's, like, yeah. the best. And Hedman had uh, injury issues all year, so that kind of diminishes him for me. And also everyone around him was so good, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to have seen – Burns replaced at John Carlson in this top three voting. Yeah, I could see that as well, yeah. Um, but I will I think even still I would go to Giordano for this award this year. Yep, we are in agreement. The Vezina trophy. Ben Bishop, Robert Lehner, Andre Vasilevsky. This is a tough one. Um who do you have? I think it's got to be Ben Bishop, right? He was top three in both save percentage and yeah. goals against average. Um, you know, obviously without Laner, the Islanders don't make the playoffs, but the same goes for Ben Bishop. Ben Bishop has that exact same argument without yeah, any stars don't make it. And he had, I feel like they have very similar arguments. Yeah, they have similar arguments, but Ben has the better numbers. Yeah, and especially the argument that like no one really thought either of them were going to be that good this year. So I, I lean towards Bishop as well. I think it's a two-horse race between him and Laner, uh, and I think it's like a photo finish with Bishop. I agree. Now for the big, fun final, the Hart Trophy, our finalist. Fuck the fact that Crosby's on this list. He should not be on this list. He was good. Crosby, here, here's the thing. Here's something I think we learned from the playoffs, especially with the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Penguins are a team that – they are out of a cup window right now. They're still a very good hockey team that's mm-hmm. well built, and you know if things fall, the cards fall the right way, they can have a deep run in the playoffs. Um, yeah, but they're at a point where I think a couple of things go wrong, and the house of cards falls apart. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the past, I feel like that wasn't the case. Yeah. Um. I mean, I feel like. And I think the other thing is also how you you know if you feel like you can give it to Con- this award to Connor McDavid, in terms of the argument of value, because obviously there's the argument if you don't make the playoffs you have no value, right? That's yeah, that's kind of my thought on that. Um, plus, I mean, Vasil, uh, not Jesus Christ, Kucherov didn't necessarily perform in the postseason, but like, holy shit, what a regular season! Yeah. I so I Vasil. Yeah. Fuck me, Kucherov is my vote. I think out of these three, I would go Kucherov as well. Yeah. Um. You know, I uh, I I, I think it's just got to be his to lose. Just got to be his to lose. Do you think there's a case for Ben Bishop here? Yeah. In heart. You're talking about value to a team being the most valuable player. 
I mean, maybe. Right? Right, he was much more but, important to the... Right, right, right? Does Tampa Bay win the President's Trophy without Kucherov? Yeah, probably. That team's freaking loaded. Yeah, I don't know. That's so hard to say, though. Yeah. So I'm going to pick Kucherov. Yeah, I can see there being a case for it. I'm going to pick Kucherov, but I, but I think I think Bishop should win the heart. Really? Mm-hmm. He should definitely be in there over McDavid because McDavid has no value because he didn't make the playoffs. So in a yeah. world where, you know, using my criteria, I'm choosing between Crosby, Kucherov, and Bishop. Yeah. And now I think this is another thing. Like who's the best player? Who's the best player in the NHL this season? Yeah, it's Kucherov. Who's the most valuable? I yeah. think it's Bishop. That's a fair point. That is a fair point. All right. Well, that rounds that out. Uh, I know you've got to get going. Do you have any uh, last uh, words or comments? Nope. I'm about to go fucking dick on some people in hockey. So have that's it. That. Well, thank you for uh, listening to this first episode of season two of Two for Podcasting. Oh, wait. If she's, if Sidney Crosby wins, I'll literally throw my computer across the fucking room. Okay, well, we have to record next week, so don't do that. Also, I'll, I'll feel uh, like we're Yeah, okay, I'll throw it. something. Um, Probably not. I mean, it's not her computer, so what the fuck does she care? But, I, yeah, just fuck if he wins. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this uh, episode. Uh, you enjoyed the show. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at 2 for Podcasting. Uh, stay up to date on future episode releases and uh, articles, whatever else that we uh, throw out and produce, or just our rambling thoughts on all things NHL, whether you know they make sense or not. They'll be there. Um, additionally, be sure to check out our website, www.tvpodcasting.com. Uh, and uh, if you enjoyed the show, you, uh, feel free to donate a buck or two to our Patreon account, uh, the links to which you can find on our website. So, uh, Until next time, uh, keep your sticks on the ice and uh, we'll see you soon. Oh, we didn't talk about the draft. Well, you're going to get Capo Caco and you're going to be happy. Uh, I'm going to be happy either way, to be honest. That's about but it. You'd rather buy a Capo Caco jersey. I'll be happy either way. I don't know. I mean, look, I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do what most Ranger fans have been doing, which is like, if we don't get Capo, I'm gonna cry. It's like, dude, you're getting a generational talent either way. So, okay, yeah. like, calm down. I'm gonna be happy. I'm not gonna let people spoil my happiness. I'm looking directly at your fucking face um why would i spell your happiness but i don't know i'm just preemptively <laughs> saying that um and i'm gonna be happy either way on friday because we are gonna be very good next year i think or at least better than we were this year and if st louis says anything who the fuck knows what's gonna happen so Fair enough. all right Take it easy, Tev. Keep your sticks on the ice, and we'll talk to you soon. See ya!